Well, here we are in the Easter season, which lasts from Easter, and this year it lasts until the 31st of May on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. And here we are also, still in the midst of a global pandemic, filled with stress and anxiety in varying degrees, depending on your situation. And to handle our stress, I'm going to propose this morning that we return to God's day of rest established in the creation, that is, the Sabbath. But before we get to the Sabbath, let's turn to the next to the last chapter in the Gospel of John. That'd be John chapter 20, if you have your Bible in front of you, uh, which is always a great idea. Um, So John chapter 20, to the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to the disciples, who were living in a very real fear of being arrested, um, executed, for treason against the crushing, oppressive Roman Empire. You think we're living in hard times? You go back to the first century, and it was really hard. Here we are, John chapter 20, beginning verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Here are two times where Jesus uses the phrase, peace be with you in his greeting he uses it a third time later on when thomas comes in as in doubting thomas so three times in chapter 20 in the gospel of john jesus says peace be with you peace be with you peace be with you i mean it isn't like everything was now automatically okay with the roman empire and the jewish leaders and everybody everybody else oppressing the disciples it's not like everything was fixed because Jesus rose from the dead with the resurrection. How can Jesus tell the disciples, peace be with you? The reality is, is that the people of Israel were were still being terrified and crushed by a Roman oppressor. The Romans crushed their occupying territories and then pronounced Pax Romana, meaning Roman peace, which simply meant that they forced nations into submission And they did so by the sword, and now everything was peaceful, according to the Romans, as long as everybody did what they did. Everybody in Jesus' time, every citizen, every common person, understood how oppressive the times were. We find in the Gospels that if if a Roman soldier asks you to carry his luggage, you better do it, or you get beaten on the spot, or worse. Everybody lived in a constant fear just the way we're all living in sort of a stressful anxiety fear the entire time because of the pandemic. So, uh, anybody stressed out these days? Um, What's your stress level like? For some of you, you know it's real obvious, it's overbearing, it's all you are. And I'm talking about people who have somebody who's sick. Uh, I'm talking about somebody who cannot go to work. They're in fear of losing their income and earning a living. But for a lot of us, the truth be told, for a lot of us, our stress is just this soul-eating waiting that we're all experiencing. We're just waiting and waiting and waiting. I took a stress test this week, 
because there's a lot of them online. And, uh, and it proposed things like this. I found myself getting upset at quite trivial things. Rank it. Zero, not very stressed. Three, very stressed. Trivial things. I was a three. I get upset at trivial things. Uh, again, I just couldn't seem to get along. Eh, I was okay with that. I tended to overreact to situations. I'm going to give myself about a two on that one. I felt blue, downtrodden, irritable, panic. Eh, not so much. Um, difficulty swallowing. I'm okay. Touchy. I'm kind of touchy. Can't calm down. I think I got that one. I, I can't recognize it very well, but I'm having a hard time calming down. Uh, I felt that life wasn't worthwhile. Nah, I'm okay. I think, I think I'm going to be okay. So I don't know, but I'm stressed too. You're stressed. We're all stressed. All of culture is stressed and we're all getting sick and tired of it. You identify with this sort of stress that I'm talking about? Or are you all calm and, you know, got peace like a river and all that sort of thing? Jesus, he never appeared to be all that rattled about the Romans. Uh, Jesus never preached, oh man, you better watch out. Those mean old Romans, they're going to get us all. We better go hide. We're scared. It's bad. We never heard that out of Jesus. Jesus saw soldiers and occupiers, the Roman Empire. He saw sickness, mental illness, emotional problems, emotional stress. He saw all of these things as powerless, as temporary. They were not in charge. Jesus believed his way brought peace. Despite every circumstance of poverty, oppression, and stress, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. Jesus taught, everyone, Jesus taught that each day has enough cares of its own. Jesus taught that we live in a perfectly safe world. And if that sounds ridiculous to a pandemic people, then imagine the disciples and the crowds hearing this stuff during their oppressive times with the Roman Empire. All this peace stuff from Jesus, and yet Jesus still preached it. He said, and can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For, for it's the Gentiles who strive after all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today, trouble is enough for today. Today's trouble is enough for today. Matthew chapter 6. Yes, it's, it's only the godless, the Gentiles, who allow stress to run their lives, Jesus says. The answer for a fear-filled people is found all the way back in the Bible's creation story, that seventh day of rest, the Sabbath, Genesis chapter 2. 
Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Genesis chapter 2. The old rabbis said that uh, creation was not complete until God rested. Because what God created on the seventh day was, uh, in the Hebrew, a word manuha. Manuha. I'm not making this stuff up. You just can't make this stuff up. But on the seventh day was manuha, which is the Hebrew word for rest. Well before Moses and the Torah and the Ten Commandments, well before the law, rest was built into the design of the world. The human soul, in its imitation of God, in its imago dei, is designed to have a day of rest. We are designed for Sabbath. We understand this in the world around us. The ground goes fallow in the fall. The plants go dormant. Animals hibernate. The heart rate slows. Temperatures drop. The days shorten. And you and I are designed for a seasonal rhythmic rest. Or as Jesus phrased it, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath to keep it in some sort of legalistic way. I'm convinced our culture lacks the proper traction really to understand, uh, truly understand a Sabbath day's rest. We don't get it. We're driven by consumerism, productivity, and these days by fear and stress and anxiety. And that's why we don't have any true peace. If you want to begin to understand God's Sabbath day of rest for you, you'll have to begin with a heavy dose of resistance to all the normal forces around you. To be a soulish spiritual person is somebody who walks and lives differently than the culture around them. They hear a different voice. The Jewish Sabbath was the last day of the week. On Friday at sundown, you knew it was time for Sabbath rest. These days, everyone, we are all just marking time. We are marking time, you know, as people joke, what is this, like March 51st or something like that? You know, like the month of March is just lasting forever. Time slowly ticking away day after day in quarantine. And, you know, like if some alien from another planet showed up and asked the question and uh, happened to ask, "What what are you guys doing with your time? We would all just answer, well, we're waiting for the all clear. We're marking off the days on the calendar. We're doing time. Just doing time. But a Christian should answer the time question very differently. Instead of asking, what are you doing with with your time? God would ask us a bigger question, a much larger question. God would ask us the question, what time is it? What time is it? A larger question. What time is it? I don't mean like, what time is it? Like, what's the clock say? I mean, what time are we living in? We may say, well, we live in a time of fear, a time of terror, a time of uncertainty and unknowns and false information, too much information, too little information. That's a good start, but it's not really accurate. But it's a good start. What time is it, everyone? What time is it? If we ask the founding fathers of this country over 200 years ago, what time is it? 
What time is it? They would have said, it's time for a people to become free. It's time for self-determination. If we ask the Jews of Jesus' day and age, what time is it? They would have said, it's time for salvation from hundreds and hundreds of years of slavery and oppression. It's God's time. Now is the time for salvation. That's what they would have said. And so right now, if I would ask all of us, what time is it? A question like this would have to be answered. It's time to walk away from fear. It's time to walk away from entitlement. It's time to walk toward the light of Jesus. It's time to pray. It's time to sit at the feet of Jesus. It's time to rest. It's time to return to a lifestyle of Sabbath, to find a new rhythm, to define who we are as human beings. It's a time when we all have time and we need the rhythm of the Sabbath rest, a rest from stress and anxiety, a a resistance to worry and want, a rest from selfishness and thinking only of ourselves. And if we ask, If we ask God, what time is it? God might answer back to us. Well, there are six days to create and one day to cease from creating. What day are you living in? Do you have a Sabbath? Are you living out then seven Mondays? Are you living out seven Saturdays? Are you living out just one long nothing day where you don't know what day it is? The noted Jewish scholar of the last century, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Rabbi Heschel, writing about the Sabbath in his classic book on on the Sabbath, uh, he said this, quoting, How should we weigh the difference between the Sabbath and the other days of the week? When a day like Wednesday arrives, the hours are blank. And unless we lend significant significance to them, we remain without character. The hours of the seventh day, that is the Sabbath, are significant in themselves. Their significance and beauty do not depend on any work or profit or progress we may achieve. They have a beauty of grandeur, a holiness, a rest in love and generosity, a serenity, a tranquility, a security, a perfect rest in which Thou art pleased. Abraham Joshua Heschel in the Sabbath, page 20. There's a beauty to the Sabbath hours, he says. There's a tranquility. There's a way of being human and not just ticking off time. Author Lauren Winters, who was raised Jewish and then converted to Christianity, she writes that Christians have really no adequate concept Uh, in her reflection on the Sabbath as being a Jew and then becoming a Christian. She says Christians don't get the Sabbath at all. She says that the Jewish idea of the Sabbath is that day you do not create. It's the day to not create. No car repair, no house repair, no cutting the lawn, no painting, no cooking, no artwork, no sports, no games. The, The day of not creating. This is a far cry from our culture. Now, that's a rather strong, forward concept of the Sabbath, a day of no creating whatsoever. 
Heschel doesn't think of the Sabbath really in such strict terms as Lauren Winters does. Heschel states that the Sabbath is a day of abstaining from toil, not to recover one's lost strength, but rather to become spiritually healthy, to become human. Heschel says Sabbath is a day of delight. It is different than all other days of the week because it's a day to celebrate life. Heschel says that without the Sabbath, the world becomes distorted to us, that God becomes distorted to us, and we begin to use things and begin to think of the world in utilitarian ways. We begin to just become consumers and users and discarders. We discard things. We begin to use God. We begin to use religion. We begin to use everything around us. We become entitled. We begin to think that somebody owes us something. We begin to use ourselves even as objects of productivity. In other words, without the Sabbath, instead of being human beings, we become human doings. And human doings feed off of stress. I repeat, human doings feed off of stress. Human beings feed off of the Word of God. Maybe the reason why we're so stressed out is because we've lost our Sabbath and we've lost our God. We've lost our being and we've just simply become productive, doing people. We've lost our soul. Sabbath is the seventh day of creation. Sabbath is woven into the fabric of the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus creates the world That's the prophecy. That's what the Messiah would do. The original creator is Jesus recreating the world, and that's heavy stuff. The original creator in Jesus is recreating the world. Jesus is the gardener. This fits with the better translation of Jesus, uh, sorry, of Genesis chapter 1, where Jewish scholars say, It should be translated like this in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, dot, dot, dot. In the beginning, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, as opposed to in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus continues to create the world. This is the huge reason why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It was no big deal for Jesus to resurrect in God's world, in his economy. That's not a significant thing. Other than it shows us that death is not master, which is what Jesus was showing the entire time he was in his ministry. What does a Sabbath day then, therefore, look like for all of us? What's it look like for you? What's it look like for your family? What's it look like for you in your stage of life right now? Where are you at? What time is it? What is Sabbath? Can you mark off time with a Sabbath day's rest? Uh, One of my professors a while back said, I think we've, the church has come to a place where we're jamming the entire life of the church into one day because nobody has enough time to show up on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night or a Thursday night for that matter. Instead, we do everything all day Sunday and by the time Sunday comes, Sunday evening comes around, we're all exhausted from church. 
Sunday just became another productive day. Instead, perhaps on Sunday afternoon, we should just do nothing. A day of not creating. A day of rest. A day of delight, as Heschel says. Parents, you have to wash your young child's world in the world of God. You have to see yourself as a prophet, as a poet, as a priest of God's creation. Spring is this endless mural of life and hope. It's being painted constantly around us. Show your child this endless mural of hope that's springing up all around them. The steady growth of new plants, of flowers, of colors, of birds, of animals, the water and the smells, the budding trees, all of it is this constant live mural of life, of hope. And parents, it's your job to be the interpreter, to be the poet of the world around your child. Interpret the world as God's world. This is your job. Aunts, uncles, grandparents, older brothers and sisters, this is your job to the older ones. Become an interpreter of the world of spring around, your, around the young children. And for all of us who are older, read the signs all around you. Read the signs. Signs of hope and life. Go for a slow walk and just look. Don't thumb through your phone. Just simply take a good walk and enjoy wander in the backyard wander in a park interpret everything and see the hope that is all around you create the sabbath and embrace it around you and as the evening draws near then get the fire pit out or the barbecue grill or whatever you got light a candle if that's what you have and just simply stare into the flame and its slow steady burn and just enjoy the time together Wrap yourself in a jacket or in a blanket and just simply be. And say, this day, this day is the Sabbath. And I'm not worried about a thing. Because each day has enough worries of its own. Amen and amen. 